Good morning, everyone. If you have a Bible with you, please could you turn to Psalm 133. If you don't have a Bible with you, then don't worry, you can follow on the screen the the scripture passages that we look at. We're going to be looking at Psalm 133 uh, today. Very nearly reaching the conclusion of our series in a collection of songs in the Psalms called the Songs uh, of Ascent. Uh, so I'm going to read Psalm 133 and then we'll, uh, we'll crack on. It says this, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. As we reach the, uh, the conclusion of this journey through the Songs of Ascent, we, we notice in these last few Psalms, the one we looked at last week, Psalm 132, the one we're looking at today, Psalm 133, the next one that we'll look at in a few weeks' time, Psalm 134, that they... Somehow they encapsulate this sense of the joy of God's people arriving in their true home. God's people arriving at the dwelling place of God. God's people uh, arriving in Jerusalem. We had that sense as we looked at Psalm 132. I, I wonder if you can cast your mind back to something of the tone of some of the Psalms that we visited before. The very first step on the journey was Psalm 120. I call on the Lord in my distress, and he answers me. You know, we began with this sense of, of woe. Woe to me that I live in Meshech, that I live among the tents of cedar. As, they, as we started the journey, we were aware of just how dark the world is. And we noticed on that very first step, the first step for us of walking with God, is actually choosing to repent and turn away um, from the ways of the world, and choose to, to turn away from our own sin and our own rebellion and the, our own kind of woe. Um, so that's where we began. As we've gone through the journey, increasingly then, we encounter more and more of God's blessing. Uh, and that happens as these uh, the psalms that we look at today. To, this is a psalm that is, uh, or gives a, a great blessing. Uh, we looked at last time, the people were... As they gathered to Jerusalem, there was this sense of just delighting in God, delighting in his presence, delighting to approach his dwelling place. So Psalm 132, uh, they said, let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and come to the resting place, you and the ark of your might. We are thrilled to be here because it's all about you, Lords. It's all about your glory, and we delight to be in your presence, close to your dwelling place. That was part of their joy. And now in this Psalm 133, that also, not only are they delighted to put God first, not only are they delighted to know him, not only are they delighted to draw near, not only are they just overflowing with joy at the sense of arriving, but there's also a tremendous delight in one another. There's tremendous delight in God. There's also tremendous delight in being a community. 
being his people, together and united. And uh, that's what we see here in this psalm. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It's good. It's good in and of itself. But it's, it's better than medicine. A medicine that you know is good for you, but doesn't taste that great and is a little bit uncomfortable to swallow. I bought some uh, medicine for Rachel recently when she wasn't feeling very well. I thought, I know that she doesn't like to swallow capsules. Ah, oh, but look, there's one here, I saw, I thought. This would be a great idea. Um, so disgusting. <laughs> In seconds, it just melts on your tongue. I thought, oh, that's great. I'll get those. So, there you go, honey, just for you. I'm so thoughtful. Here's what you need. This will be good for you. And seconds, like, turned into, like, a minute. And so, what we see here is something that is, it is good and pleasant. It's, it's right and good and wholesome and proper. But it's also just a delight to our hearts. It brings joy. It brings gladness to be God's people together. When brothers live together in unity, if you're reading in a more recent version of the NIV or another translation, it might say, when God's people, or it may say, when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Uh, because more recent uh, translators of the Bible have tried to make it clear, it's not just talking about men. We're talking about all of God's people uh, together and as one. So imagine the scene. People have set off on this journey. We don't know how long it took them. They came from all over uh, the nation of Israel. To begin with, there's a family, there's a household. And the head of the household, right, it's time for the Passover or for another one of the feasts. We're going to head up to Jerusalem and the, the family gather together and as one head out of the door and together start this journey. And then, surprise, surprise, other households have decided to do the same thing from the same village. They're na- near neighbours, people that they know really, really well, people that they rub shoulders with every day. And now the group has grown a little bit as they start as they continue their journey. Their journey goes a little bit further and now a, a village of people are starting to amalgamate, starting to gather together with other nearby villages of people who've done the same. Thought, yes, we're wanting to go God's way. We're wanting to go up to Jerusalem. We're coming too. And so the group grows. And then, as it were, you could imagine people from the same region are aware. We're on the road together. People from the same tribe And then the tribes, as the journey reaches its conclusion, from all different directions, all the different tribes, all these different villages, all these different families, all these different individuals who've decided, I'm putting God first, have this sense of thrill and delight as now together, as one big, massive family, they arrive at Jerusalem to celebrate. And that gives us a glimpse of what we can look forward to as we walk with God in this, uh, in this life. We won't always have that awareness of thousands of people milling all the way around us. Isn't it wonderful to be part of something big? But when we get there, when we arrive in glory, it's like there'll just be the wonder 
of being together with God's people throughout the planet, throughout history, as one worshipping God. It will be a scene of utter delight. Delighting in God and just delighting in one another. We won't just be We won't just be delighting in City Church Sheffield. Yay, we're together. We won't just be delighting in being part of something a little bit bigger. Yay, Christ Central. We won't just be delighting in we're New Frontiers. No, we'll be delighting in we're the people of God. And all those other uh, units, if you like, become less and less significant. Look, we're the people of God. And we're delighting to be with him. Now, maybe you don't like being in a crowd. Maybe, like me, you can have that kind of slight tactile defensiveness. I don't know if it's a, if it's a cultural thing as well. Some, some cultures would be very, uh, very tactile, very close. The idea of a really crowded space. Oh, it's going to make me twitchy. I think when we get to glory, there'll be no nervousness. There'll be no apprehension. There'll be no sense of, oh, I'm, I'm lacking my own personal space. Away from me, away from me. There'll be a, a sense of, of delight. Either we won't need personal space, or somehow, in the infinite glory of heaven, there'll be no lack of it, as well as being together. We've got so much to uh, look forward to. No one will feel pushed out. No one will feel unloved, or not included, or uh, an overlooked part of the family. Oh, it's the, it's the quirky you know, you know in every family has its kind of quirky uncle or its peculiar granny. You know, there'll be no sense of, of, of just, oh, if only we could leave somebody out. No, everyone just delighting to be with God and to be, uh, to be together. This song then is a celebration. It's a celebration of that spiritual ultimate reality that we get a flavour of in the here and now. But I want us to start by seeing that unity, the sense of togetherness, the sense of being being one. Because you can be close to somebody, you can be in the same room as somebody, but not necessarily getting on, not necessarily rejoicing in your, to, in your, in your sense of togetherness. You can just be, well, we're just bumping shoulders all the time, and I wish they weren't here. No, it's not just t- togetherness, it's together and united for each other, with each other, moving together, believing together, loving together. Um, And in some translations of this passage, it would begin, Behold! Behold! Here is something that's really good. Here's something absolutely wonderful. Here's something worth our attention. So let's give it our attention. The unity, the togetherness of brothers and sisters getting along is compared to oil and water. You might think those two don't mix, but the pictures that are provided here are of precious oil and refreshing dew. And they show us a number of things that are worth celebrating in regard to being a united people. Precious oil smells good. The unity between brothers and sisters who are getting along is sweet, is fragrant. That's what this image of oil being poured out uh, 
conjures up. If you turn to, to Exodus, you can read the very specific recipe for making the oil that would be used to anoint Aaron. Aaron was Moses' brother. He would become Israel's first high priest and he would be anointed with oil. The whole tabernacle would be anointed with this fragrant oil. And so I said in, in Exodus 30 and verse, I'll read from verse 23, or just refer to it. We've, we find out how it was made up. There was liquid myrrh, there was fragrant cinnamon, there was fragrant cane, there was uh, cassia, uh, a, a hin of olive oil, and they were all mixed together into a, uh, a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. It will be the sacred anointing oil. So when this oil was poured out on Aaron... It just would have made him smell amazing. And as it was poured out in the dwelling place of God, this, this tabernacle, the whole place would be filled with this sweet perfume. This psalm celebrates the, the, the fragrance, the sweetness of people walking with God, walking then in a life of love and supporting one another. So if you were to turn to... Uh, Ephesians and chapter 5. Paul is writing there and he is encouraging us to be imitators of God therefore as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I think I'm, I'm not quite sure the crucifixion of Jesus was fragrant, but in, in, in the presence of God, all that he has done for us, laying down his life, demonstrating such powerful love that he was willing to endure the horror of the cross, is before the Lord Almighty an amazing, fragrant aroma that pleases God and blesses us. And what are we being encouraged to do? Be likewise. When, when we choose to pour our lives out in preference for others, in serving others, when we lay down our own priorities and our own preferences in order to be loving to our brothers and our sisters before God and amongst each other, there's a, there's a sweetness in the air. I think Paul had this experience um, that we find out about in Philippians, uh, the next letter in the book, uh, Philippians in chapter chapter 4. He's writing to uh, this church in Philippi because he's been on the receiving end of something incredibly fragrant. He says, I've, I've received full payment and even more, I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Why did Paul write the letter? Because he was blown away by their generosity. He's kind of saying, you didn't have to go so far. You didn't have to do so much. I'm so amazed by it. And I'm so thankful. And before God, this is worship. 
What you have done for me is so sweet, it's, it blows me away. And so our call to worship is a, is a call to gather on occasions like this and glorify the name of God and sing songs. But it's a whole life spent poured out, loving, receiving the love of God so that we might love our brothers and sisters and lead to that beautiful aroma, that sweet fragrance of togetherness, unity and love. Supporting others, preferring others, laying our own lives down that he gets glory and other people say, yeah, I'm receiving something so, so precious. Precious oil. Precious oil is also soothing. Has anybody here done the ice bucket challenge? Honestly, I'd like a show of hands, to be honest. Did you do the ice bucket challenge? It was, it's going back a little bit. I don't know if it was last summer or um, as a money raiser. I have to be honest. I cannot remember what particular cause the ice bucket challenge was to, uh, to raise money for or why we're being encouraged to do it. But you may have seen somebody receive the ice bucket. And as the name suggests, they would be... They will be sat down. What's the posture? Think for a moment. What is the posture of somebody who knows the bucket of cold or even freezing water is about to be poured over their head and go all the way down their back? Okay? Is somebody just going... <laughs> or is it more likely there'd be some kind of grimace? And ah, oh, the shock then gets them. With precious oil that was poured out, it's not a nasty surprise. When Aaron was anointed with oil, there's a a soothing, warming quality. It would have felt unusual, I guess, to sense this oil pouring down from his head, down to his beard, which for some reason is mentioned twice, (laughs) down on the beard. Down on the beard and, and down further onto the, onto the collar of his, of his robe. What does that feel like? I, I don't think it was unpleasant. I don't think it was a nasty shock. This special moment when Aaron, the high priest, was set apart to minister as the high priest would not have been unpleasant. So here we have this celebration, this song celebrating people together, united in love for God and united in love for one another. There's a celebration of the warmth that's between them. The the soothing quality of their words. Elsewhere in Ephesians, in chapter 4, verse 15, it speaks of speaking the truth in love. A desire and an appreciation of unity does not mean we just ignore what the truth might be and what the Bible is saying. And we can lovingly uh, debate and help sharpen each other so that we understand better the revealed will and purposes of God in his word. But again, it shouldn't be that it's a, a nasty shock. When brothers and sisters in the same family get together there shouldn't be a sense of having to brace yourselves for the shock of what may be said or how it may be said there's a a a loving soothing quality 
to this oil. That's being celebrated here as well. This oil was also special. It was a special oil. If we go back to the recipe uh, in Exodus chapter 30, there is an intriguing instructions that follow how this should be used. In Exodus 30, verse 30, we're told, anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. Say to the Israelites, this is to be my sacred anointing oil for the generations to come. Do not pour it on men's bodies and do not make any oil with the same formula. It is sacred and you are to consider it sacred. Whoever makes perfume like it and whoever puts it on anyone other than a priest must be cut off from his people. And we all go, you what? I wonder why I was so so specific, but we're being shown here. There's something so special happening here. This oil is it's, it's reserved. It is special. This is a special moment. And we should have no hesitation in saying, God is doing something special and unique among his people. At that time, that special oil was only poured out on Aaron and his sons. It was for the priests. It was for the tabernacle. It wasn't for everyone in the community to to use. Nevertheless, for us now, we have been called a kingdom of priests. Amongst all of us, men and women, young and old, across all nations, across whatever social categories the world might put us into, there's this extra special sense of specialness in what God is doing amongst his people, amongst the church. So we should have no celebration, we should have no hesitation in celebrating what it means to be a people together for the praises of God. You might see other versions of unity on the earth. People clubbing together with a common cause. Sometimes what happens is people club together in almost in opposition to something else. Almost right at the heart of their unity is an anger for something up there or someone out there. Well, we can unite because we're against them. And you might remember in Genesis 11, people united. It was impressive. And they started to build a tower. It wasn't beautiful. It was, a, it was an ugly kind of unity. Because it was people asserting themselves over God. Let's unite and make a name for ourselves. We don't want him as our king anymore. And so there's, there's other versions of unity on the planet. Maybe not as extreme as that, but a spectrum God is doing something unique with his church. God is doing something special. It's worth celebrating. It's part of our vision. It's part of what we're looking forward to. And what we see here in these pictures as well, this celebration, as well as being sweet, soothing, and special, 
We see the Jew. And we see that what is being celebrated here is, is something supernatural. It's not just people deciding to club together. It's God has done something. God has made this all possible. God has gathered us. God has blessed us. So the Jew, this refreshing water that would condense on the grass, on the fields, on the sides of Mount Hermon, which a tall mountain. So this dew would have been heavy. The ground would have been drenched, absolutely soaked and refreshed by this dew. Interesting also that Mount Hermon is far up in the north. This psalm speaks of it falling down on Mount Zion. There's no north-south divide. Blessing from the north falls on a people who gather in the south. You know, God does something supernatural. It, it does bring people together. But you'll see as well, both in, re, in regard to the dew and the oil, where does it come from? It's poured out and it's running down. See how the precious oil running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Where does it come from? It's come from above. It's come from something that God has done. Behold, look, this is, this is special. This is supernatural. And we see our Savior, the Lord Jesus, came down that he might then be lifted up, crowned with thorns and crucified, that we may be drawn to him and that we might receive him and that in the process of being overwhelmingly, abundantly blessed by the Son of God who chose to come down, we should find ourselves with hundreds and thousands of brothers and sisters who love each other. Because we've received his love. Look, he's come to us. What is being celebrated is supernatural. And what is being celebrated is shiny. Makes people glow. Makes the land glisten. The dew in the morning, sparkling in the sunshine. The oil flowing on Aaron's head, which would have just glistened, given him a a radiance. When God's supernatural blessing comes on a person's life, there is this glistening, joyful, shiny, radiant transformation that takes place. So in Isaiah 61, verse 3, we're told about the, the oil of gladness. The oil of God is pouring out the oil of gladness. No longer this spirit of, of mourning or despair. Uh, a supernatural change has come on the inside of someone's life. You know, in the world, beauty is kind of about covering up blemishes with something artificial. In God's kingdom, beauty happens to everyone who receives forgiveness and the love of God 
and the Holy Spirit pouring out the love of God into our hearts. And the result is an inner work that brings a radiance with no makeup. Nothing's being covered up. But God has done something beautiful. People's faces change, don't they? When they receive Jesus. It doesn't take a spa. It's just God's grace. When people meet, uh, when the people of God, when people see us as the people of God and how we relate with one another, there should be a sense of, wow, wow, here's a people who are not arguing or complaining. This must be the work of God. So Philippians 2 verse 14 and 15, do everything without complaining or arguing. What's the result? And you'll shine like stars in the universe. God wants a radiant people who've received his grace and are just liberally demonstrating it with one another. So walking with God, we we will see the beauty of his plan to bring people together who've received Christ as Lord. A growing community, putting God first and loving others. That is the song. Unity is getting celebrated. And perhaps just as we, we round up towards a conclusion, we need to also just see that unity, therefore, gets contested. Because God has designed something to be absolutely beautiful, you can bet that God's enemies will do what they can to try and spoil it, to try and dirty it, to try and take a people who've been united in Christ and try and fracture them again, try and pull them apart. Unity gets contested. Therefore, we need, we need to celebrate what God is doing, but we also need to cultivate what God is doing. We need to choose deliberately to, to determine together, I'm going to help maintain what God has done. That's how Paul puts it again in Ephesians. The book begins with the sense of just, wow, look at what God has done. Look at how the grace of God brings people together who used to be hostile, and angry towards each other. Now they've been united. God has done it. But then we're encouraged in chapter 4. And in verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. It's a unity that the Holy Spirit makes possible and is brought about. Ah, the exhortation we have there from the New Testament is maintain it, cultivate it, don't damage it. In this psalm, we see how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity. That word when is a reminder it's not inevitable. It needs developing. And sometimes it can be difficult, not only because of what we may have experienced in recent times, but because 
brothers and sisters don't always get along. And sometimes experiences within family life, in our upbringing, can, or hurts and pains, can be triggered again by things in the here and now. A brother or a sister, or maybe some other relative, who was unkind, who rejected or made life difficult, can leave us with some baggage to deal with. Family life is not always easy. There can be just outright conflict, Cain and Abel, having a fight, well not having a fight, Cain caused it really, conflict about who was the most godly. And rather than receive grace and walk with God, Cain chose to kill his brother. Conflict, competition, Joseph and his coat of many colours gave his other brothers an issue. That sense of, in a human family, we're brothers and sisters, we should be loving each other, but a sense of, but I need to compete to get attention. I need to, to push past my brother or my sister because mum and dad only have so much attention. So, We can carry that into our walk with God and we can carry that into how we relate with people, how we relate with each other. That sense of there's a competition, I need to show, I need to prove, I need to be better. I'm constantly anxious about where I fit in the pecking order and I don't fit in. That's the work of an enemy. And painful things may have happened and may have come our way. But we can only deal with our baggage or our responses. There could be a way to approaching this psalm. And Well, when they sort themselves out, we can enjoy unity. If only they would deal with their baggage and their issue and their problems and their faults and their mistakes, of course we could live in harmony together. We can't afford to follow that logic in our family life. In Hebrews chapter 12. What verse is it? This isn't in the notes. It says, see to it, there we go. Uh, Hebrews 12 and verse 15. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You know, sometimes I just have to check my own reactions to things. A minor hurt kind of gets fanned into flame because I can experience it or I can process it through older hurts and older pains, and things that happened amongst some brothers and sisters way back then. And now, in this moment, 
it gets fanned into flame again. If I miss the grace of God. So what's my responsibility as someone who's walking with, the, walking with God? Is to come to him, return to grace, receive afresh, be reminded afresh of the God who has come down, the God who has blessed, the God who's made supernatural change possible in my destiny, and then say, Lord, I receive that grace. Thank you again. And now I'm going to apply that in how I understand and I'm processing the situation I'm currently in. Because that old conflict, old sense of competition, maybe there was a kind of peace, maybe there was a kind of unity, but it was unity by established by someone controlling the family. My way. Or the highway. And so it's not a true peace, it's a truce. We all have to just toe the line. Because if we don't, there'll be a massive explosion. Well, that's not peace. That's not unity. So we have those other models, those other experiences, but our responsibility is to come again afresh to the grace of God, receive it, and start distributing it again. That can mean what I found myself doing recently is just being more deliberate with the Lord's Prayer and finding time to say, give me my daily bread. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us. Personalizing it. Forgive me for my sins and my trespasses as I forgive those who've sinned against me. It's right there in the Lord's Prayer. We've got to pray it. We've got to live it. We've got to practice it. Because we've, because we've seen a vision of something beautiful, something wonderful, God wants to do amongst his people that we be a blessing on this, this planet. That people look at the church. People look at the family of God. People look at brothers and sisters loving each other and it causes them to look again. This is different. This is supernatural. This isn't people rallying together out of fear or anger. This is people gathering together out of love and peace. In unity. Amen. Let's worship God together. Why don't we stand? I'd just like to uh, pray now. We'll probably pray in a moment as well. Father God, as we spent time in your word together, and as we've spent time in one another's company as well, Lord, thank you that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. And so, Father, we believe that as we've been looking at your word together, you're in our midst. You have been at work in our midst. As we worship you now, as we have a drink later, Lord, we believe you're in our midst because we're here in your name to glorify your name. And Father God, I do pray, Lord, that as we worship, as we respond, you administer into our hearts, into our lives, that this psalm is not a ticking off, it's not a tirade, it's a beautiful song. And I pray, Lord God, 
you draw us again to the beauty of your grace all that it achieves all that it was designed to achieve I pray for a flow I pray for a flow of the giving and receiving of forgiveness whether it requires a conversation to be had or not that we could acknowledge things that happened that should never have happened we could acknowledge baggage that's been passed on maybe from one generation to another but actually the grace of God cuts through it the grace of God enables us to set down the bag and move on unhindered that when there are things that still press our buttons and can cause that old reaction that ice bucket moment Lord your grace enables us to enjoy you and enjoy a relationship with one another.